the State of Florida Sports Podcast, presented by the USA Today Network. Here's your host, Tim Walters. Eighteen teams, nine state titles. The stage is set. Beginning Thursday in Tallahassee, the final weekend of high school football for the 2023 season gets underway. Four Metro, four Suburban, and one Rural Classification will crown champions. On today's podcast, I welcome in the USA Today Florida Sports Network recruiting reporter John Santucci, who's been all over the state this season covering the best high school football teams we have to offer. John will break down all nine title games and give his thoughts on who he thinks will win. Hello again, everybody. I'm Tim Walters, and thank you once again for joining me on the State of Florida Sports Podcast, powered by the USA Today Network. This podcast utilizes our Florida Sports Network of beat writers, columnists, and some special guests to bring you up to speed on the most important sports topics. Our Florida network consists of 17 news sites that encompass the state. We encourage you to subscribe to your hometown newspaper, and of course, this podcast to help support the incredible journalism done by our talented staffs. We have nine games to break down, so let's not waste any time. John, welcome back to the podcast. Oh, I'm excited to be back. Thank you for having me. Alrighty, well, this is the big week, the one we've all been waiting for. Nine state championship games between three days, Thursday through Saturday. And you, my friend, will be there for all of them. So tell us, uh, first of all, where is it? Uh, it's been unified this year. Um, I know it's a bit of a hike for some teams, especially from South Florida. So tell us a little bit about the location and uh, everything that's coming together for you. First of all, I love how you said for some teams, because pretty much for every team, except for Madison County, it's a really bad deal. But uh, state championships are in Tallahassee this year at Florida A&M. Um, like you said, they start 10 a.m. on Thursday. Last game is 8 a.m. on, or sorry, 8 p.m. on Saturday. So it's going to be three very long days for for reporters, but it should be a lot of fun for the fans. And, um, you know, as long as I'm making an incredibly long drive, you know, if you look at, uh, you know, class 3M where we have two South Florida teams, they're both traveling. I think it's like 460 miles plus or something to go uh, play a game from two schools that are separated by, I don't know, 20 miles or something. So it's an odd decision to go all the way to Tallahassee, but uh, this is where we are. So this is what we're doing. Yeah, I miss the good old days where they had all the state championships in Orlando, so it was right in central Florida, not too far from people from the Panhandle or from South Florida, but they're in Tallahassee, but at least they're not split up this year, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the only the only good thing about being split up is they had, you know, maybe one or two games a day, so it was a little more of a, little less of a sprint than nine, nine games in three days is going to be, but, you know, like I said, if you're a football fan, this is, this is a good deal, and if you're doing this job, you better be a football fan. So, yeah, we're good. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I mentioned there are nine state championship games. That's four suburban, four metro, and one rural. Are you still a big fan of how they're splitting things up and how teams are making the titles so it's not as lopsided as it was a few years back? Yeah, you know what? This is a gr- this is probably going to get us a little off track because now they have this. They're they're the uh, the board of switching the, the format again now to an open division with 32 teams. Um, for the most part, I really do like this. And, and just to be clear, I'm, I'm one of the guys who banged the drum loudest for Metro Suburban. But the reason was I didn't want to see lopsided, like you said, state championship games. I don't know 
you know, we'll see obviously how this plays out. Last year, the state semifinal games were really exciting. I want to say 10 of them were decided by seven points or less. That does not include John Carroll versus uh, Trinity Catholic, which I think was a two-point game with like two minutes left and just kind of got away from John Carroll. Um, this year, we had a lot of lopsided state semifinals, at least more than last year. So um, you hope that the championship games will play out, that they're close. But at the end of the day, I just want to see competition. Um, you know, I don't want to see teams being able to, you know, win every game by 70 points. So um, we'll see. We'll see if, you know, St. Thomas Aquinas Homestead's a good game. We'll see if Chaminade Clearwater Central Catholic is a good game. You know, those are kind of the two that really stick out is, you know, this, this could get, this could get ugly. Um, but, you know, uh, again, overall, I think it's a better format than we had a couple of years ago. Yeah, certainly. And we're going to talk about some of those changes coming up, but you know, I want to jump into it. Nine state championship games. Uh, you know, like you said, we had some, uh, some blowouts, we had some upsets and we had some good games. So let's start looking at them. And I want to start with rural. Uh, that's where number one Hawthorne, which is near Gainesville for those who don't know their geography of Florida. And they defeated number four Bluntstown, which was a, a school near Panama city. And so Hawthorne's going to take on number two, Madison County, who's been good for a few years, definitely now. And, uh, they defeated number three, Panama city Bozeman. So let's talk about that Hawthorne versus Madison County game in the rural division. Who do you like there and why John? Uh, you know, this is a rematch of two years ago, um, which, uh, Madison County won. I want to say the score was 13 to 12. And for whatever reason, Hawthorne, which is the defending state champion, they beat, uh, Northview a year ago, they, they score a lot of points, but they have been held down in state championship games. Now, clearly that didn't bother them at all last year. Uh, cause they only gave up two points in that game, but you know, I want to see if Hawthorne can, can, you know, just score a little bit more. Their, their quarterback CJ Ingram has been phenomenal. Madison County has that really good run game. Um, I lean towards Hawthorne. I think, I think that they, they've been our number one team wire to wire on the USA today poll. The FHSA did not, think is highly of them they actually had williston which was in the same region as the number one team going into the playoffs and hawthorne went on the road and handled williston um kind of the the question you know of how it will be handled this this is the second time that hawthorne is going to play madison county in state with it basically being a home game for madison county so um you know we'll, we'll see kind of how that goes that has the billing as kind of the premier game on thursday which makes a lot of sense because you think they're going to sell a lot of tickets so um, you know, we'll see kind of how much of a factor that is because that can not only have a factor on the game, but or on the players, it can also have an effect on the referees. When you get a lot of people gasping or booing or calling for a flag, there are referees who will throw that based on, you know, just being swayed by the fans. So, um, you know, a lot of things going in Madison County's favor on paper. They have a very good defense, but I, I do think Hawthorne pulls this one out. Alrighty, so we have a prediction of Hawthorne in our one rural division. Let's move on to Suburban, John. And in 1S, you mentioned uh, Ocala Trinity Catholic. They were the number four seed. They upset number one Naples First Baptist in the state semifinal. They're going to take on number two Sarasota Cardinal Mooney, and they defeated number three Tallahassee North Florida Christian. Ocala Trinity Christian doesn't have a great record, but they got hot at the right time. They've played some, you know, some hard competition, and of course, they're they're a pretty good school down there in Ocala. So, who do you like when number four Ocala Trinity Christian meets number two Sarasota Cardinal Mooney? And tell us a little bit about this game. 
Yeah, first of all, you, you mentioned Trinity uh, Trinity's record, which I believe right now they're 6-7 and seven and would need to win the state championship to become a 500 team, which on paper you go, oh my gosh, they're terrible. No, they've played one of the toughest schedules in the state of Florida. They, they have played, you know, really premier competition. Um, and they're always punching up, meaning they're, they're usually playing teams that are in much higher classes or, you know, metro schools. Um, the fact that uh, uh, so, so anybody looking at the record should not really draw any conclusions from that other than they are, are they are really battle tested. Uh, they have defeated every one um, S team they've played this year, I think something like the margin of victories in the 35 to 40 point range. Um, they've been just completely dominant in those games. Cardinal Mooney is a team that we had at number two for most of the season. They have a really, really good um, athletic team. You know, one of those losses was to Sarasota Riverview, which is a, a 4S squad. So obviously a much bigger school and their quarterback got hurt in that game. And after that, kind of the, the, uh, the offense just wasn't clicking the way it was. I think this will be a good game. Um, I do think Trinity will pull it out. And Trinity last year, um, you know, Connell was the favorite, at least from, in my opinion, going into the state championship against First Baptist. And they ended up, uh, I think they scored on their opening drive and then they were shut out the rest of the way, which is surprising. I don't think that'll happen again. Um, I, I think Trinity pulls this one out, but I think it's going to be a good game. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting thing if we do have a state title or a state champion with with a 500 record. But as you said, I mean, they've, they've played a wrecking crew uh, of a... Uh, of a schedule and as they've played teams in there, you know, amongst the, you know, closer competition that they've certainly been dominant. So we'll keep an eye on that game in one S let's move on to two S. This is the one, obviously I'm going to be very interested in. You've got a uh, number one Coco, which defeated number four, Sarasota Booker. They're going to play number two, Bradford, which defeated number three, Pensacola Catholic. Now with Coco here in Brevard County, where I'm based, I got to watch them win st- three state titles in a row in 2008, nine and 10. They've won two titles since in 2016 and last year, so they're looking to go back-to-back. Bradford's undefeated. They're in that area, a little bit east of Gainesville, heading toward Jacksonville. Uh, we cover that with the Times Union and the Gainesville Sun. So, and, of course, Florida Today covers Coco. So this one is a, a big USA Today network game. Uh, John, Coco just absolutely destroyed Booker. I imagine even though Bradford's undefeated, Coco should be undefeated. Uh, their one loss was very controversial. But uh, who, who do you like here in this one, John? Well, this is a rematch of last year's... Um state semifinal and going into that game, Bradford had allowed the least points in the state. Uh, and they ended up giving up 30 leave until about the, the third or fourth quarter when Coco started to pull away. Um, you know, Pensacola Catholic had the lead last year at, or excuse me, last week at Bradford, uh, up 14, they end up losing in overtime. I believe the final score is 22 to 21. I think, um, I think this will be a really good game. This this on paper looks like offense versus defense, which is a little unfair to Coco's defense, which has played really well this season. Um, you know, for me, Coco's played maybe the toughest schedule in the state of Florida. When you talk about, you know, Jones, St. Thomas, Aquinas, Venice, um, you know, e- even the teams in in uh, in three or excuse me, two S with them. You know, Titusville was a lot better this year. O'Galley was improved this year. Obviously, they beat Rockledge, so. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, for my money, Coco might be the best public school in the state of Florida. Um, so, and I think they're the best suburban team period, regardless of classification. So 
I think Coco wins. I, I'm very interested to see how, what Bradford tries to do differently defensively this time because, again, they haven't given up a lot of points. They, they've only given up more than 10 points twice this season. Uh, one of them was last week. But they haven't seen Coco's offense. They haven't seen anything like Coco's offense with you know Brady Hart and Javon Boggs and company. So um, I expect Coco to, to, to kind of finish the job. But um, I'm very intrigued to see what Bradford does differently this time. Yeah, and you know, we've got a nice story at floridatoday.com about the the slant play that Coco scored three times on last week against Sarasota Booker, how unstoppable it is and how accurate Brady Hart is. With Bradford, though, I'm also the sports editor for the Florida Times Union in Jacksonville, and I hadn't planned to put that game on the front page. I had uh, slotted in St. Augustine, but after coming back to win in overtime, I swapped things around, so Bradford ended up being on the front page of the paper for that victory. So this one's going to be exciting. I'm really looking forward to that. And Again, you could follow floridatoday.com or jacksonville.com to uh, learn more about that game. All right, let's move on to 3S, the aforementioned St. Augustine. They're number one. They defeated number four, Fort Myers Dunbar on Friday. They're going to play number two, Daytona Beach Mainland, which defeated number three, Ocala Vanguard. Again, this is a USA Today Network game. We've got the Daytona Beach News Journal covers Mainland. We have the St. Augustine record and the uh, Florida Times Union that covers St. Augustine. So a lot of places where you can read about this game. Who do you like here, John? Do you like St. Augustine or do you like Daytona Beach Mainland? Two really good teams. And of course, St. Augustine's got a star quarterback in Lachlan Hewitt, uh, who's going to be playing D1 college football next year. So talk about this one. All right. Well, first of all, full disclosure, and this has nothing to do with the opponent. I picked St. Augustine to win the spring. So I'm not going to deviate from that. They've gone undefeated. Um, you know, so, so it it would be, I think it would actually just be unfair of myself to, to change a pick, uh, you know, kind of midway through, regardless of who the opponent is. And that is nothing. I I don't, I don't expect it to be, um, anything other than one of the best games in the state. When you look at what St. Augustine to me is one of the most explosive suburban offenses. When you talk about Lachlan Hewlett, the junior who's going to Wake Forest. Uh, Devontae Lyons is an outstanding running back with D1 offers. Carl Jenkins, I think, is one of the most underrated receivers in the state uh, as a junior, and he's got offers from quite a few Power 5 programs. They've got other uh, Trenton Jones. They've got other, you know, really explosive talent on that offense. They've got a a sophomore that I think is going to be the next, you know, one of the next big receivers in the state of Florida, and I think he has five touchdown catches this year. They, They have a lot, a lot, a lot of weapons. And you can't just say, oh, they're just going to throw the ball because Lions will eat you up if you do that. Mainland has one of the state's best defenses. You know, when you talk about LJ McCray, who is the number one edge rusher in the state of Florida on our on our uh, top 100, uh, he's headed to Florida. They got Zay Mincy, who's maybe one of the top 10 cornerbacks in, this, in the country right now as a senior. Isaiah Shine is, is an outstanding cornerback. Uh, on the other side, so they will be able to match up. I just wonder who's going to do a better job. Um, if it's a high-scoring game, I, I think it's going to be St. Augustine. If it's a low-scoring game, certainly that would appear to favor Mainland. I'm going to stick with the team I picked, you know, eight months ago. But but this this should be this is a get your popcorn ready kind of game. This this should be a great game. Alrighty, and again, you can read more about this at jacksonville.com, staugustinerecord.com, and at news-journalonline.com for the Daytona Beach News Journal. All right, let's go to 4S, where number four, Lakeland, defeated number one, Gainesville, Buholtz, which was uh, definitely a surprise, But even though Lakeland's always good, but Buholtz really looked good this year. They take on number two, Venice. 
from the Tampa area, which defeated number three, DeLand. And again, you could read a lot about this at the Lakeland Ledger at lakeland.com. So who do you like here, John? The number four team, can they pull off the upset of number two, Venice, or is Venice just too good? Oh, I, I, look, at this point, there's no upsets, right? I mean, we had Venice and Lakeland as, at one and two in the state uh, to start the year. They're both teams that had early season losses, which are why they didn't, why they don't look like they're ranked in much higher. Um, but, you know, I think, I think Venice started the year 0-2 and Lakeland started the year 1-2, and but that's because they play really good competition. You know, Venice played Armwood, which was a, an outstanding, you know, team, the number two seed in their region, had a really good year. Um, and then they lost at Coco. So, you know, there, there's certainly no shame in that. I think the Coco game where they scored, I want to say they scored, I can't remember what the final score in that game was like 21 to 17 or something like that. I, I'm not remembering the score. I covered that game, sadly. I don't remember the score. But um, I think they've scored like 40-something points in every game since, and they're on a, like a 12-game win streak. Um, this is a rematch of last year's state championship game, which Lakeland one, and I think it was a one-score game, but I'm telling you, Lakeland won that game handily. Their defense was phenomenal. I think they held them to under 150 yards. I don't expect that to be the case. To me, Venice has been the team to beat since the beginning of the year. That was my pick going all the way back. Um, and it's probably changed a couple times, I'm going to be honest about that, because we had some really good some really good teams kind of step up. But the way they handled DeLand was impressive. This obviously will be a much different um, task this week with Lakeland, but I, I do think Venice uh, kind of avenges last season's state championship loss. All right, and that final for Coco Venice was thirty-one twenty-one. Coco won that one. Okay, I knew I knew one of them had twenty-one. I apologize. There you go. That's all right. I've covered just a couple football games since then, so sorry. Yeah, no, good. I, I can imagine with all of the numbers, your brain is a little stewed there, John. We'll forgive you on that one. <laughs> all right. We're going to move now on to the Metro subdivisions. We're through five. We got four more to go, John. In 1M, we're going to have number one, Chaminade Madonna, which defeated number four, Archbishop Carroll last week. And they're going to take on number two, Clearwater Central Catholic, which defeated number three, Trinity Christian out of Jacksonville. Unfortunately, Fortunately, we don't really have, uh, you know, papers that are in these uh, coverage areas, but I know you're going to be covering this game and writing about it. I know you've always been a big Shamanon Madonna fan, so let's talk about the 1M game. Uh, who do you like and why, and tell us a bit about it. First of all, fans, not, I, I would say, you know, professional admirer of what they've, what they've been able to do, I think is probably a better way to say that. But, um, you know what, Shamanon, here's the thing, they're both undefeated. This is the game we expected going all the way back. We had these guys at one and two, and we had Carol with Day at three, and uh, that they're in the same district as uh, CCC, and they almost pulled it off in the regional final in CCC one. I think the final score, and that was forty-two, forty-one, or forty-five, forty-two, somewhere in there. Um, you know what? CCC has played a, some of the best teams in Florida. The difference is Chaminade's played some of the best teams in the country. I think they started the year. Their first five opponents were all teams that were nationally ranked, um, and, and they won all five. So, uh, you know, to me, Chaminade is the best team in the state of Florida, regardless of class or, or uh, um, you know, metro suburban. You know, when you're talking about an offense that has uh, Jeremiah Smith, who is arguably the best player in the in the country in the class of 2024, at least top recruit, um, you've got an offense with another five-star receiver in Jojo Trader. You've got a quarterback in um, 
that that is committed to NC State. You've got a running back that's committed to North Carolina. You have other talent. At some point, you run out of defenders to defend them all. And uh, I just think it's going to be, I think it's going to be the same thing. Last year, you know, this is a rematch of last year's state championship game, which was very lopsided on the scoreboard. But if you told CCC some of the statistics they were able to do, they'd probably take it. They dominated time of possession, especially in the first half. They just controlled what they could control. The, what they didn't do is score. And Chaminade, with very limited time and very limited snaps, was up 28 nothing at half. Um, that's how explosive they are when they're on. Uh, Chaminade is the number two team in the, in the nation. I, I just, I don't see, I don't see a path to victory for probably 90% of the teams in the, in the state. Um, I just, I don't see it. So yeah, Chaminade. All righty. Professional admirer, not a fan. Sounds like an eighties group in the like Duran Duran genre. Professional admirer. I like that, John. All right, let's look at uh, 2M, where Miami Norland defeated Jacksonville Bulls. So uh, one of of our five state semifinal teams from Jacksonville. They're one of the two that lost. They're going to play number three, Berkeley Prep, which defeated uh, Plantation American Heritage, which that's a big win and a great program. So, uh, John, who do you like here, Norland or Berkeley Prep? You know, it's funny. I would have liked American Heritage, I think, um, had they gotten there. But Berkeley Prep is, is this is it. There was a team that was in state two years ago, lost to Chaminade. I think the final score there was 21 nothing um, in Tallahassee. Berkeley Prep is going to do exactly what they do, which is they're going to run the ball. They're going to hold on to the ball a lot. They're going to bleed the clock. They're going to make it a low scoring game. They got two running backs that, that are really good. And so, you know, they both have over 1,200 yards, and I think they both have over 16 touchdowns. So, they're going to make it very, very interesting. Where I think Norland is better equipped to stop the run than American Heritage is, they have a much better front seven as far as uh, recruits. You know, their 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 front line is Rutgers, Auburn, FIU, Rutgers commit, and their middle linebackers committed to Pitt. So, I feel like they're going to be able to put Berkeley Prep in some situations they don't want to be in second and long, third and long, where there's not an obvious or even likely rundown. Um, you know, Norland's got an Yapor who's been in a state championship game before with Champagnat. He's already Miami Dade's all-time leading passer, and he's still got a year to go. Uh, for me, it's going to be Norland, but I think this will be closer than people expect. All righty, that sounds good. And now we go to 3M, where number one, Fort Lauderdale's St. Thomas Aquinas defeated number four, Tampa Gaither. And they're going to play number two, Homestead, which defeated number three, Orlando Jones. John, this one should be a good one as long as the Thomas Aquinas referees don't handle the clock. So uh, talk about this game and, and why you like it. First of all, I'd like to see this game played in South Florida. I, I just want to see a couple of, I just want to see these guys go to the FHSA, look, thanks for setting up everything in Tallahassee. We're going to go play this, you know, at Drive Prink or one of those places, and, and we'll we'll just keep the money and, you know, go that way. Just want to see a little defiance. I don't think it'll happen, though. Um, yeah, I, you know, Aquinas is going for five. This is this would be a state record. They've tied the state record. Them and Miami Central both won their fourth in a row last year. Um, Aquinas is going for its fifth title and they've had a pretty easy road. The only team they've really had to, to face that could legitimately beat them this year was Coconut Creek and Coconut Creek was without its starting quarterback in the regional, uh, final. Um, you know, they played Gaither last week. Gaither was a six seed, uh, shocked 
you know, a lot of people by beating Jesuit in overtime in the regional championship. So Aquinas has had a, a fairly easy road. Um, you know, when you can, when you look at like, you know, some of the other regions and some of the teams that, that have had to get here. Um, that being said, you know, Aquinas is Aquinas. I, I, again, they're, they're a matchup nightmare for most teams. Homestead had this as a one score game last year in the state championship. They end up losing, I believe by 17. I think the final score was 38, 21. I would expect something similar. I just don't know if it's going to be a one score game in the fourth quarter. I, ju- I just don't see, I don't see a path for Homestead. So. All right. And if people are wondering why I made the comment about the referees and the clock stoppage, you have to go back and read all of John's work about the game earlier this year where Coco had Aquinas defeated, but uh, total incompetence at best or something nefarious at worst happened. And uh, the game was essentially taken away from Coco where the clock was being stopped when it shouldn't. And then there. Uh, their head coach got a penalty for arguing that the referees were doing it wrong. So a lot went on there, but it doesn't take away that Aquinas is a great team and they're going for five in a row, which is crazy. All right, let's move on to 4M. This is the final one, John. Number one, Miami Columbus. They defeated number four, Tampa Plant. And they're going to take on number three, Jacksonville Mandarin, uh, which defeated number two, Coconut Creek Monarch. And I tell you what, Mandarin has been peaking lately. Uh, they're a team that didn't have the greatest start to the season, but they're, they're finding lightning in a bottle at the right time. Can they do enough to defeat this really good Miami Columbus team? Oh, 100%. You know, look, this is a rematch of the game uh, from 2018, um, which uh, Mandarin won. You know, uh, going into the season, and I'm going to I'm gonna put your boy Clayton Freeman on task for this, uh, and, and he can verify this. Going into the season on the, on the USA Today poll, my initial poll had Columbus 1, Mandarin 2. Saw them in the spring, loved the talent they have. You know, when you talk about Jamie French, Tramel Jones, the uh, one of the maybe the best secondary in the state of Florida. Um, I really like Grant, Grant Pettigrew on the, on the D line. And so I said, okay, you know, like this, this team should be there. And he said, look, they need to prove it, um, you know, bump them down a little bit. And so we did. And you know what? Look, they lost a couple games, right? They lost um, at Lake Mary, which was the number one team in 4M going into the playoffs. Uh, they lost to um, Bartram Trail Creek. right before the uh, – and the, what was the other game they lost? Creekside. Creekside. That was the comeback. Uh, Ashenfelder throwing the game-winning touchdown late. Thank you. So, look, they, they can lose. And, and Columbus has lost a couple. Um, I think Mandarin is the more explosive team. I think Mandarin has the better secondary. I think Columbus has an elite front seven. I think Columbus has, you know, and this is n- certainly nothing to do with, um, you know, Mandarin's coaching staff, which I've seen several times, even this postseason. I, they're, obviously, they've done a really good job. I just think they've done it. Columbus is one of the premier coaches in the state of Florida. Um, I love the matchup. I really do. At last Last time they played, which was 2018, the final score was 37-35. It would not surprise me at all if we get that same kind of a game again. I don't know if my heart and my head are in agreement on this pick, but I'm going to say Mandarin. I I think that Mandarin has, this is again, this is a team I saw very early on. I saw both these teams in the spring. I've seen both these teams this year. I just think Mandarin has a little bit more offensively. I think Tiant Weish is one of the most underrated players in the state of Florida. Um, I think Mandarin finds a way. All right. And of course, Mandarin has a famous alumnus right now in Carson Beck, who plays for the Georgia Bulldogs. I'm sure he'll be rooting on his high school team as he prepares for Florida State, which got stuck from the CFP. Game last time. 
Carson yep. Beck five touchdowns in that in that game against uh, Columbus. Absolutely, yep, and that certainly propelled him right into Georgia. So good stuff, John. Before I let you go, I did mention earlier that there are going to be some changes next year. I just wanted to tell you to, uh, you to tell us a little bit about how it's not just going to be the nine classifications next year. Yeah, so there's there. First of all, nothing's in stone, um, and you know, Metro Suburban last year looked like it wasn't going to, or two years ago looked like it wasn't going to happen, and then ended up passing by a one vote uh, in the board of directors. We'll see basically, um, you know, but I know that um, other states do this open division where you basically take the top 32 teams in the final rankings, regardless of class, and you put them all together. From what I understand, there would be no more Metro Suburban. It would just be classes based solely on um, and school enrollment, which is how it was prior. Um, what I like about it is, you know, I just said this, right. St. Thomas Aquinas has had a fairly easy road to state. You know, they, they've played one team that we had ranked in the top 10, um, you know, in 3M this, this postseason. that's not a gauntlet to me. You know, most of the good teams, um, were in that region one and, and they're in region three. So, you know, I, I would I like that a team like Aquinas, which has won five in a row and, and won it pretty handily, would it really have to run a gauntlet kind of for the first time where you're gonna you're probably playing really good teams starting in the first round and, and going all the way in. So I, I from that aspect, you know, um I do like it that we're basically saying, Look, this is this is our closest thing to, you know, the UEFA Champions League, right? Where you're gonna have Chaminade and, and Aquinas and Edgewater and, um, you know, basically everybody is in state probably right now for the most part, um, would be competing for one championship and then you'd have state championships and all the other classes based on who's left. Um, there is appeal to that. Here's where I'm concerned. The FHSA is using max preps rankings, which max preps says are proprietary and they won't tell even the FHSA. That's what we've been told that the FHSA doesn't even know what's in those rankings. That's a problem. If you're going to say that these are the top 32 teams in the state of Florida, that should be an open and transparent process. That should not be something where it's like, you know, oh, um, well, this is how it worked out. And I'll give you an example. And I wrote about this earlier in the year. During, for the first, um, the first power rankings, when they were released, Coco and Dunellen had almost the exact same strength of schedule. Coco started the year with... Uh, uh, at Jones, which was a, a class 3M uh, state semifinalist last year and was again this year. Um, they went, they had Venice at home, which was the defending 4M state runner up, and again, back, or 4S, excuse me, and back in the 4S state championship game this year. Can't remember who they played week three, but I know it was somebody good. Um, and then um, they went, uh, Aquinas was in that mix too, which was the defending class 3M state champion. Um, and is back in the game again this year. That was how they started the year, and, and they might have had one more, maybe O'Galley or something was in that mix, which O'Galley was, a, um, I believe they were regional semifinalists this year. Um, and then you look at Dunellen. I think Dunellen had played, had played two teams with winning records, and they had two teams that were not did not have winning records, and I believe all four of them were... Um, suburban schools. Now that's not, this is not a knock on Donnellan by any stretch of the imagination. That is saying that anybody who can read is going to tell you that Coco played a schedule that is five to six times harder than what Donnellan played, but the rankings said they were the same. 
So they have to make those things transparent about what the formula is, if it's going to work. That's, that's kind of my biggest thing there. Well, I think we need to use our journalism sword to hold these people to the, people to the fire, because a lot of these are public institutions. I know some of them are private, but if they're going to be making these decisions, they can't just be placing teams the way they feel and not being held accountable or transparent. So that's what we do as journalists, John. I know you will keep these people, hold their feet to the fire if this is something they do, because they really should. They should use your rankings, actually, because that is taking into consideration jur- <laughs> well, you, you at least take into consideration journalists from around our entire state, and those rankings are come up by people who are actually watching these teams and not some formula or website. So, um, you know, I, I just hope that if this is something they do, I mean, we're, we're definitely going to hold them to it. Well, you know, what's interesting is one, you know, I've heard that from a lot of reporters around the state is that they're like, look, they should have a panel of reporters, athletic directors, coaches, whoever that is helping kind of make this um, this decide who this is. I think there's merit in that. I don't think the FHSA would consider it. That's just my opinion. Um, you know, uh, what was interesting is when the state semifinal brackets came out, we did a story last week saying who got it right, man or machine. And so we went back and looked at our final rankings and then we looked at the computer rankings and saw who got it right and who got it wrong. Trinity Catholic, like you said, right, six and seven right now, they came into the postseason, I want to say, what, four and seven or something like that. And so you go, oh, the, and the computers had them at number 11 in um, 1S. We had them at number three all year because we looked at who they were and we said, we're looking who they are and who they're playing. And obviously, we don't think that that's a bad team. We just think they've played really good teams and the the rankings give more weight to wins than anything else. The flip side of that was, um, you know, a team like Berkeley prep, we looked at some head to head stuff when they lost to like Calvary, uh, Calvary Christian in Clearwater. And we had them at number, I want to say we had them at number eight in our final rankings. The computers had them at four and they liked some different factors than we didn't. So there probably is. And, and I think we looked at eight different schools and it was four, that the computers got right and four that we got right. And I explained kind of where we, where we were off and where the computers were off. So um, I think there's probably merit to some combination of the two. I just don't think it'll happen. No, that's unfortunate. And if they do, uh, you know, basically do whatever they want to do, it makes them no better than what the CFP did this year. And, you know, I, I'm talking about with snubbing Florida State, and I'm a Gator saying that. I just think it's awful that these people behind closed doors make these decisions. And sometimes it makes the game seem like they're not even worth it. Why do we play them? So, John, we're going to keep an eye on that. I appreciate you coming in here. That was a blowtorch of information between those nine games and then the discussion we just had about how the changes could come. So, John, I know that uh, you've got a breakdown story on all nine of these. They can be found at any of our 17 websites in the state, which I'll go over in a minute. But first, I want you to tell people where they can just easily find the links on your social media channels. At John Santucci, J-O-N-S-A-N-T-U-C-C-I. We're going to have our top recruiting matchups, which we do every week, but it's going to be the top. If you're a recruiting fan, here's the best you know, individual matchups that you can watch throughout each game. Um, we'll have that posted and we will also have our, probably some version of a popcorn, what we expect the drama to be in the game, uh, story, uh, coming up in pretty soon. So, yeah. All righty. And again, 
John's going to be up there in Tallahassee covering all these games. We'll also have other reporters from our, around our network there. And again, those are the USA Today network state sites in Florida, which include Jacksonville, St. Augustine, Daytona Beach, Florida Today, and Brevard. The Treasure Coast newspapers, which are Vero Beach, Port St. Lucie, Fort Pierce, and Stewart. The Palm Beach Post, Naples, Fort Myers, Sarasota, Lakeland, Leesburg, Ocala, Gainesville, Tallahassee, Panama City, Fort Walton Beach, and Pensacola. Nobody covers it better than we do, John. Thank you so much for being here. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me. And that will do it for this episode of the State of Florida Sports Podcast. I'm Tim Walters, and to quote NFL coaching legend Vince Lombardi, football is like life. It requires perseverance, self-denial, hard work, sacrifice, dedication, and respect for authority. Sounds like this podcast. Thanks for listening, and join me again next time. Yeah.